Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Good morning, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me here this morning 
on Prison Focus Radio. I am your host, Nube Brown, and we are going to get started. Um, We are now into September, and if any of you have been listening to uh, the previous uh, shows, we focused on Black August. And I hope one of the things that that came through is that Black August Memorial, Black August Resistance, is a practice that is done 365 days a year. It is about a way of being, acting, struggling in the world uh, for Black liberation. And as you know, for me, all roads lead to prison. It is about our humanity. It is 2021, and we have millions of people still locked up. We have elders, people well into their 60s, into their 70s, even in their 80s, that are still being denied parole for crimes. And I always put quotes around crimes. Um, But for crimes... That have been that were committed when they were young people. I won't go too much into that, but I mean, we really have to, we really have to consider if this is the appropriate way uh, to be moving forward. I see things changing a little bit. I see a shift. I hope we're part of that shift. I hope you're going to be on the right side of history when we start to understand that we need an alternative. We need another way a more uh, empowering, compassionate way of uh, uh, alternative to just caging caging and uh, uh, punishing people. And considering this colonizing, capitalist, imperialist system that seeks to destroy, exploit, extract and just uh, and think only through the lens of profits over people and planet it's a no wonder people those are the crimes first of all those are the crimes and I think what we call the responses to the kind of existence that we are constantly having forced down our throats um to be held as being held accountable for now those responses become criminalized we are seeking a new way of doing it and it's definitely in my world it's about abolition there is a road being paved towards abolition it is a goal i'm not about reform there's no reforming this system. A system that on the daily dehumanizes, degrades, and simply just disrespects people and their needs. And we're, and we're going to look to, towards each other. So we're going to get started today. Um, we are going to hear from our dear friend Za. We're going to hear from Emulimu. And uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise. All right, let's get started. Again, so grateful you're here. 
This is Prison Focus Radio. I'm your host, Nube Brown, KPOO, San Francisco, 89.5. All right, um, we're going to hear an excerpt of um, a conversation that I had with our dear friend, Za. And um, it's going to be a little bit choppy, I'm just forewarning you, because we were having some um, sound technicality issues. And so my voice was, in order to hear Za, I had to turn up the sound, and so my voice is really way too loud. And so I needed to cut all that out so we could hear from Za, and I tried to... um, So you'll just... It'll be a little bit choppy, um, but um, you will get the gist for sure. How are are you... um, What's happening with cases, and are you staying healthy? Oh, um, you know, pretty well. Yeah, I'm still exercising. Um, I'm trying to at least think in terms of eating a little bit um, healthier. Um, it's, the, the real challenge just tends to be um, in an environment where, like, everybody is not necessarily on the same page in terms of like what healthy is supposed to mean, mm. what looks like, um, looking out for each other and stuff. But um, I feel good. I mean, you know, um, a lot of people here. Um, have been experiencing um, what sounds an awful lot to me like um, the virus. Um, symptoms, um, you know, are exactly um, symptoms that um, you hear about with the, uh, with the virus. I had a buddy here. I, I have a buddy here. Um, he was really sick. So I suggested to him um, a couple of days ago that he go to the clinic to be tested. And when he actually went over to the window and explained to them how he was feeling, they actually told him to fill out a sick call, sir. And he did, and then they told him, okay, they'll schedule him for a, um, a test, I guess, as opposed to, you know, um, when you go over there and actually complain about um, symptoms and fill in a certain kind of way, you'd like to think that they would actually start, they test you right there on the spot. Right. Um, but that wasn't the case for him. Uh, outside of... They, they, they still, you could hear them make announcements over the loudspeakers where they still call people for the random checks. And I think they're doing it in each, each of the, uh, the two buildings. But um, when you go to the dentist, you have to, they, they'll test you there. And before they sit you in the dentist chair, um, the results from the test will be back by then. But even with that right there in mind, um, people that are clearly demonstrating symptoms when they go over there and ask that they be tested, they won't, um, they, they, like I said, they told my buddy, um, well, let's, um, you have to fill out a sick call slip and we'll study you for them. That's, a, that's pretty offensive. Uh, yeah, that's pretty offensive. That's what I thought of. That's exactly, I thought about the same thing you had said. Um, a few days ago, you and I had an opportunity. So I thought about what you said about um, the psychological torture for him in particular, um, what he told me that there. No, it shouldn't be. They should actually, because uh, I'm certain they know about it. I'm certain that they've heard the same rumors that's been broken around for the longest um, that the speaker said. Um, so in the, in the name of precaution, you'd like to think that what they would have done is simply Locked that thing down, and then one of our testing is built. This call and/or telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Well, I, I 
I think even for me, as much as I might say, I'm not surprised when you actually do see certain things. Like, this is uh, the response that um, the brother I just told about. That's shocking to me. I mean, it, you know, it's kind of like this. Like, it's this F you. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of get out. It's constantly being directed towards you. And, you know, it's almost like just when you think you done seen it, seen it all, it's another way to tell you to F yourself. That's how, that's how kind of like it, it, it seems to me. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm still always knocked back just a little bit when I see, you know, somebody look you straight in your face and basically tell you to F yourself. Um, I still do get knocked back just a little bit when I see that right there, um, because, you know, it, 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 I mean, we're dealing with these particular kinds of um, issues where you're saying to yourself, I know you know better. Um, when you tell me to help myself, I know that you know what you're doing and what you're saying when you tell me that right there. And it's almost as if the thinking is, and, and you better not say nothing about it, and you better not do nothing about it. And that's the thing. Maybe I'm maybe the reason why I get, you know, kind of like knocked back a couple steps. Still, is because I know how I want to respond to it. I know how I should respond to it. And I don't mean that. It's, it's the thing. It's the thing where I, I just don't think it's ever a good idea for people to get reached to being disrespectful because. You know, it's kind of like every time you accept uh, something like that right there, you have to give up a little bit of your own self in order to, to be accepting of that right there. And we really are, a lot of this is this power trip that's taking place on um, prisoners versus uh, medical people, many administrators. And it's just, it, it is a power dynamic that, that's constantly running through. Um, things like that right there, even just male and female um, power dynamic and things. You know, so it's like, <laughs> you know, when, when you're dealing with the power dynamics, it's like you're dealing with people that's not going to be satisfied until they get everything that you have. You know, um, and since you can't, in my opinion, that means, you know, manhood, womanhood, things like that. It's not something that anybody can take from you. It's something that you have to be willing to give to somebody in order to lose it. And once you done gave up, you know, the things that make you who and what you are, um, it's almost impossible to get those things back. You know, it's almost impossible um, to rebuild, you know, um, what makes you, you. Um, it's, I, it, it's been my experience when I've seen stuff like that happen, once things like that happen, even if you can think in time, before, even if you can actually do um, that rebuild, because you, you, you're dealing with people that think the way that they think, they're not going to respect them. They already know that you've given that up. And I think what people is concerned, especially in, in the kind of prison environment, I mean, it's like, um, once people know that you've given up um, some of yourself, 
they'll never respect me the same. They'll never respect me. They'll never listen to the same way anymore. And it's really unfortunate that in these environments, when that happens, people just literally think they can take liberties with you, that they are not entitled to take. And it's a correction really bad time. This is why prisons need to be abolished. A system that allows the continued chipping away of one's humanity is not something that we as human beings can uh, sustain and think that we are going to live in a world that, that gives us the best opportunity to be at our best. The people that are perpetrating this psychological abuse, this complete dismissal of someone's humanity, of anyone's humanity, they're the criminals. And and that is criminal. And we should all want to abolish that. All right, now we are going to hear from Emwalimu Shakur. He's going to be giving us an update on his continued work with the, with the youth inside around um, the teachings of new Africans. Oh, I just finished off Black August today, you know, the last day. Right. Uh, I was pretty productive, had a lot of exercise, well, group exercising, a lot of uh, productive conversations. I had to work. But uh, I had a couple of dialogues with a few of the youngsters, so it looks like uh, we planted some good seeds this year. I got feedback from a few of the comrades and some other joints, and they were saying the same thing. Uh, of course, a couple of them are not looking for it or not trying to get out, but uh, they're they're more more uh, concerned with re-educating those who are getting out and sending them back into the community to do productive things. And uh, we feel a lot more confident going forward because of so much productivity over the last couple of years uh, since we got out the shoe. It's been a touch and go because, you know, the elders losing a lot of, um, they, don't, they, lose, they don't have a lot of patience dealing with this next generation. But somebody like myself, I'm learning a lot more patience by dealing with them. And, and I see where my light is a reflection by in my practice they want to, gravitate a lot more so it makes it educate a lot easier so that's a good thing well yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of lifers i mean that's the common norm now when you're young they give you a life sentence for you know the crimes you commit but some of them have murders so you know you understand why but uh for the most part i have about a good solid 10 around me that don't have parole dates there is a few lifers but uh and they're young lifers you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these are young. All these are young. Everybody's under thirty. Everybody's under thirty. But like I said, the ten that I have around me, they're late twenties, early thirties. They've all got dates, you know. So for those, for those that got dates, you know, um, the emphasis is always more on them. But the lifers now got action because of all the laws that are changing, and you know we're looking at it as. You got action as well. That's why, you know, um, they got all these self help groups because that's a board recommendation. So there's still hope for a lot of these young lifers as well. You know, this has never been, they never had the door open like this before. They let a lot of people out and they let a lot of people out. So 
people are taking advantage of that. You know, we're trying to encourage them to take whatever means they need and still um, re-educate them the best way that we can with the knowledge that we have to help them get, you know, that mind frame. Because if the mind changes, then they can make the changes needed to uh, transform themselves back out there. I asked him, Willimo, if they talk about the the youth's life sentences, or just, in my view, long sentences in the context of capitalist, murderous capitalist, imperialist colonizers. Well, you know, they don't look at things the way we do. You know, our consciousness, New African consciousness, is developed from educating ourselves and seeing the problem and then challenging them. But society doesn't look at things the way they do. They des- they design, you know, things. Um, it works as a system. You know, that system they design, it works the way they want it to. You know, it's not nothing that needs to be fixed. You know what I mean? Because it's not broken. To them, it's working just fine. Continue slave practices the way they see fit. And, yeah, they'll call us murderers, but won't look at themselves and the things that they do as being murder, even though it is. Just like if you sentence people in the court system to uh, to death row. You know, that's not justice. That's revenge. Right. You know, you get no justice out of killing somebody when you put them on death row. So, Newsom created this pilot program that's taking everybody off death row, transitioning them back into the general population of the prisons, so they can... This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. You know, they can have access to getting some of these uh, board-centered programs that will also give them uh, access to going to the board and pleading their case to get out of prison. And they still get to keep their appeals, you know? So, like I said, once you understand, then you can do something about it. When you don't understand, uh, it, it's time to educate those who don't so that you can win them over. Because consciousness happens once you start reading, looking, listening, and learning to see why the other person's ideology is not like yours. Like, I, I'm quick to tell somebody I'm not an American because I'm not. You know, my people didn't come over here by choice. They came over by force. And I inherited being in this country. So I don't call myself an American. Okay, I don't look at the American values and say, hey, I have access to that too because I don't. You haven't treated me like I have. And you can tend to show me that, that, that I'm not an American and that I don't have access to that. So when people don't understand why I think and say things like that, then I teach them and I, and I show them. Mm-hmm. And then... The more they want to, the more they want to learn, the more they want to know. So now they're gravitating to me just to hear me with what I have to say because it makes sense. I show them factual things, you know, and those factual things that I show them, they can go read study their, on their own. And because I don't want them to think, make them think it's just a a black person's thing or uh, other oppressed cultures who've been oppressed by the same class of people's thing. I show them where. Marx talked about this, Engels talked about this, Trotsky talked about this, Stalin talked about this. I show him what people, I show him Howard Zinn's work, you know what I mean? I show him Noam Chomsky's work, Edward Said's work, you know what I mean? And people like that. So that way they can spend time to read and understand and have a more consciousness based on uh, ethics and humanity and not just on race. That's great, and are uh, so it, it and is that part of what uh, so that is part of what y'all are are talking about? And have you seen the you know have you seen transformation? Well, yeah, you see progress because you see them gravitating to you after. 
questions, wanting to read the books, writing essays, which we tell them to do. Uh, you see it in the, the way that, you know, they change the way they think a little bit. You know, they're uh, not so much as, as materialistic mentally or disrespecting uh, uh, having a vulgar conversation. You know, you see the change in them, you know. And it, it's all about that discipline. If you want to continue to instill it in you, if, it, if it's something that you like and you see that it's working, you keep going. You know, yeah, you see a lot of changes. I, I've seen changes in a lot of people who uh, have gravitated to the way we do things because it's new. You know, the, the way we are... This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. You know, the way we are on these main lines now, it wasn't, you know, this is new to them. You know, it's new to the other races that see us. They've never seen us functioning out here uh, the way we do our studies, our study sessions out there in the yard. They don't see us exercising. They don't see people group exercising the way we do. You know, um, they don't hear people talking the way we talk. You know, so that's new to them, and that intrigues them off the top. You know, and then because these other races are so busy wanting to gravitate to us, practice our culture, you know, uh, our lingo, and, and, you know, like how we do it, even them get to ask a question. And, of course, the ones who are in the shoe with us who uh, are considered their leaders, you know, they don't want them to gravitate too much because then they'll lose control and power, which, you know, you respect it, but it, it's, it's going to happen regardless because what we do is, has nothing to do with control of power. It has everything to do with change and transformation. So, yeah, you see it. Oh, that's so beautiful. That must feel so good. And it sounds like uh, Black August uh, was was good this this year. Like, I mean, um, and and positive and empowering and and um, and meaningful. Yeah, well, that's what the intentions of it is. You know, we've always intended it to be just that. You know, uh, a three hundred sixty degree uh, uh, change, which starts in this month. Uh, teaching the history lessons, uh, keeping, you know, that trailblazer spirit going, you know, living this legacy that we, we welcomed and embraced and continue to do so. You know, it's it's not going to die. It's only going to get better. Um, it's only going to progress the more we keep doing things. And like I said, we started in this month a practice that continues all year for 360 degrees, you know. Right, um, right. And that circle, it what that circle represents is that the discipline that you have, you have to continue it. To, you know, you can't just, you know, let doxile and, and revert back to old habits and ways. You have to hold on to that. And if you do, you know, you're going to feel so much better for it. You know, so, you know, well, hopefully it continues because, like I said, the, the, before the last time I talked to you, couple of weeks ago they're, they're starting to the transfers up again and the only thing I can hope is that a lot of youngsters wherever they go they end up somewhere where there's other comrades doing it just as much as we're doing it here and if they do they'll fall right in you know if they get somewhere where it's not uh, functioning like that they might lose interest and if or if their discipline is instilled the way it should be they'll keep going on their own and their light is shine and they'll attract others, you know, so. Have you seen any, any, any of them, yeah, that are ready to kind of take it forward and, and become mentors themselves? Are the guards noticing? Do you think that, that there's any, any? 
you know, that, that, that co pro that they always try, you know, to try to break people up and uh, they see someone coming up and, and they're going to try to, oh, we better move him out of here so that he doesn't get too much of Imbalimo's uh, knowledge. <laughs> well, they moved, they, moved, they moved a couple people last year, but mm. they haven't moved anybody this year based on nothing like that. Okay. You know, they've, uh, you know, we don't worry about sabotage. I mean, because people that's in prison already knows how police, you know, the, the, the COs operate anyway. So we're not, we haven't seen anything funny. We've actually seen progress as far as winning some of our freedoms against these police. We just haven't got the tablets yet, but... You have 60 seconds remaining. You know, it's, it's, it's always a tomorrow, you know, and the next day and the next day. So every day is a struggle, and that's all we continue to push for, sis. You know, um, I'll try to call you again soon. As always, I'll send you my love. Always take care of yourself, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, and I love you, Malimo. Um and uh, yeah, thank you so much. And you sound good. You sound good. It's nice. It's nice to hear you up. Yeah, you too. <laughs> you too. It's nice to hear that too. All right, talk to you soon. Take care. Right. Okay, you too, brother. Peace. All right, we're gonna take a quick musical break with "Rare" by Nas. <laughs> All right, if you are just joining us, this is Prison Focus Radio. I am your host, Nube Brown, here on KPOO San Francisco 89.5. I ended up getting a call from um, our beautiful brother, Za, who you have heard from, who you just heard from um, earlier in the program, if you've been with us. Uh, but I want to go ahead and play uh, the new, a part of the new uh, conversation that we just had while I was in the process of pre-recording this show. So uh, here we go. We are going to finish up 
with the wisdom and love of Zah. But of course, I want to know how you're doing. Oh, I'm, I'm doing okay. I mean, um, I got to uh, put somebody in the top bunk over me last night. Um, hmm. And he has a, a really bad back. He's in his 50s. He really shouldn't be on the top bunk. He has a lower bunk, chrono, um, and we did um, have a conversation with the building um, staff about it earlier today. Um, so hopefully once something comes open, they'll move into the lower bunk um, that he's, he should be in. But it's, it's, it's always a bit frustrating only because, um, I mean, it's so crowded, so jam-packed um, up in here that you literally don't have, you can't think straight. It's just so many people. Uh, it's it's extremely frustrating. Uh, and they got about 18 people over in the quarantine that they moved over there last week that they should be bringing back this week. But part of the, uh, the challenge has been on the quarantine side, um, um, earlier in the week, um, it's been two non-prisoner staff persons um, working in the kitchen who have tested positive for COVID-19. Mm. Um, last week, no, it was earlier this week, no, it was last week, they, um, they moved all of the kitchen workers on the PM shift over to quarantine because of the contact that came in with um, the, the cook who had um, COVID-19 tested positive. They left, the, they left those workers over in quarantine all of 13 to 14 hours, and they brought them back over to the yard. And the reason why they brought them back over to the yard is because there wasn't nobody to um, work in the kitchen to prepare and serve food, and staff are not going to do that. They think that they, they, they don't think that they should be doing things like that right here. So they only brought the PM kitchen workers back over here um, you know, because they didn't have anybody else to, um, to take care of preparing and serving the food to the population and stuff. And they violated all kinds of protocols yeah. doing that right here. And there's been a lot of people sick here. A whole lot of people have been sick here, but nothing's being done about it. You know, we, we've mentioned this before. I, I mean, this, I'm, this, this, is, this is just straight... Uh, crime against humanity. This is an over $80 billion industry. You're really coming from a lens of humanity about how people are, are engaging with one another. But this is, this is modern day slavery taking place. You have staff that doesn't believe that they should have to, if, uh, if, if the people under their care, which they don't deem people, that's why they put them in quarantine and, you know, you're in there for 15, 14, 15 hours and they don't think it's their responsibility to say, oh, well, these the, the people need to get fed. So this is should be part of our job and this is what we're going to do. And we're going to chip in and make sure that this happens because that's not how capitalist, imperialist, white pathology works. This is slavery that's taking place. So the slaves are not available to work. Well, too bad because they're just disposable anyway. Exactly. And see, it's supposed to be a system in place that prohibits 
that the, 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 the free staff come in. It's supposed to be a check point area where tests are being done. Mm-hmm. The tests are being done, and um, it's these rapid tests that they're doing. And from what we understand now, um, the rapid tests are extremely unreliable. Right. But it's supposed to be a system in place that prevents um, things like this from happening. But the fact that um, we had a couple of three staff people, a couple of um, non-prison senators, um, including one of the cooks that worked in the kitchen, and over over a two-week period of time, um, they both um, had COVID-19. They tested positive for COVID-19. That's the best proof that whatever system it is that they have in place, either that system is totally, it's either, either the system is, they're not doing it. They're, either they're not testing people when they come in to prevent them from coming in with the virus, or the, the process is so unreliable as to make it ineffective because they didn't pass the checkpoints, but they're supposed to be tested to find out whether they're positive or not. They're getting past that. They're getting all the way on the prison grounds, up in the kitchen, and then a day or two later, they just take so sick that, that they don't have any other choice except to um, go home. And then once that happens, um, um, it's an effort being made to um, implement the protocols that's supposed to be in place by quarantining people. And then you get off into this issue where if there's no kitchen workers over to work in the kitchen to prepare and feed the food, they'll bring the people back over in quarantine, put them back on the yard with everybody else back in the kitchen around all the food without any regard whatsoever for whether or not one of those people might actually be infected because of the contact they, that they came in to with the person who actually had COVID-19. And, you know, on this real basic level, the issue becomes like our safety versus, you know, um, feeding people, having staff feeding people. And they would rather jeopardize us than work in the kitchen or ask for volunteers to work in the kitchen. But the kitchen is a hot spot. Once it's, once it's infected like that, the kitchen becomes this hot spot. And so what should happen is, before you even have volunteers come over to work, kitchen should be sanitized. It should be cleaned out, sanitized, and made safe for volunteers to come over there to work. And they won't even do that right there. And when you, when you actually look at it through a, through a lens like that, what you are saying now about um, how we are we slaves, here's the lens that they view us from, um, it becomes all the more glaring that that really is true. Um, even if it's not true, though, what other choice do you have except to reach that conclusion right there because no one is getting at you having a conversation with you about why this is being done, um, how this is being done. You know that the protocols are being violated. 
but you are not being provided with any kind of explanation at all for why things are being done. So even if it's not true, um, you don't have any other choice except to look at it this way. And in this area, not just this prison, but in this entire area right here, um, forgive my language, but this is just a chicken shit area. You know, um, this is one of the most hateful, this, this region is one of the most hateful regions that I've ever seen in my entire life. And so, you know, it's kind of like everything is pretty consistent with the hateful get out um, that tends to define the region that we house in. Um, so it comes to no surprise that things like this is being done in an area like this right here. And, of course, when you're talking about region, you're talking about Corcoran, which... Oh, is... I'm talking about the whole region. Oh. I'm talking about the Central Valley. <laughs> oh, God, okay. Just want you to be know. sure. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Yeah, yeah, this whole area <clears throat> is just hateful. I don't mean to suggest that every single person in the area is hateful, but the area is so dominated by hate that even people that might not be hateful subordinate themselves to it um, because that's just how it goes. Right. You know, um, that's the important point. I don't mean to cut you off, but you always no, no, say that no. so eloquently because that's what it is. The subordinating your humanity to these in these yeah. hateful conditions. Because you are constantly, and that's what I want people to really fully understand, what we need to be fighting for with y'all. We are in a war for our humanity. You all are constantly uplifting and, and um, uh, struggling through a lens of, um, of humanity. And that these, that these prison conditions are a complete slap in the face, as you've said time and time again. I mean, they're willing literally on a daily basis to not only serve up um, psychological abuse, but death on a plate. If you want to eat, you're going to be subjected to dying. And that's just how it is because, you're, you, well, you know, you need to eat. And so these are the conditions under which you will get some food. By subjecting yourself to a death sentence. And it's, it's really, and I, I, I really do understand, I, many of us do understand, that we living in a world right now where you've got constant chaos taking place. Um, what's happening in Afghanistan, um, the, the, the constant generational trauma and abuse that people, that women, that uh, latex people, um, the people in the um, LBGT community, the constant nonstop abuse that we have all been subjected to, um, generationally speaking. And it's just chaos that constantly takes place that makes it possible. You've got this recall um, that's taking place right now, and you got people like Larry Elder oh, yeah. running for governor. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you know, and you, you got people like him that's been slid off into um, the governor's lips. And I mean, he's just a, a he's just Donald Trump with dark skin. That's really all he is. Mm-hmm. You know, and 
And we, we've even done stuff on steroids. Right. And it's just, you got all of this different types of chaos taking place um, and affecting so many people's lives and so many people's, uh, in, in different, you know, so many people's lives in different ways. It makes it extremely difficult for people to be able to say to themselves that what's happening to somebody in the penitentiary is important enough for me to want to fight for because I got all this other crazy stuff happening in my life and stuff. So, you know, like, like it's, it's understandable that um, people have really become just, you know, just, just, I mean, just they brain dead when it comes to, to like, all concerning ourselves with each other. Um, you know, it's, we really are under the influence uh, of these are the kind of things that keep uh, the system of white male supremacy, the ideology in place, and the system of patriarchy in place. These are the kinds of things, the kind of chaos that actually does make it possible for us to prevent, for, you know, prohibits us from being able to see the things that we have in common with each other, rallying around and those issues right there and just fighting back, you know. Um, but it could be extremely frustrating. It, it, it's extremely frustrating to hear for all of the reasons that you have mentioned and stuff. It's really frustrating. Uh, yeah, that did, in a sense, that's a really an understatement, but what I... I, what I hear you saying, you know, kind of the deeper aspect that's coming up for me in terms of what you're talking about is what y'all practiced w during Black August, what you all have been been tortured for. And yeah. that is the self-reflection, the getting to know yourself, that deep, personal, inner work. You're the ones that are upholding humanity. You're challenging us on the, all the time. I'm sorry the burden is on you and that's, you know, to me, uh, so, you know, I line with your frustration because, you know, with all of, the, you know, so much of the resources, time, money resources I'm talking about um, and focal point uh, resources that uh, are going to all of these nonprofits and they're able to do all this great work. But the bottom line is I, I, I think that they're not really paying attention to the fundamental issue of what is taking place within our prisons. This is, it's like all roads lead to prison, to, to puni capturing, punishing, and dehumanizing particular groups of people who are, say very clearly where we are and how we are understanding humanity. Um, I absolutely agree. What do we, and what do you, okay, um, tell me how, um, yes, tell me how you agree. What is it truly that needs to be asked of us, Za? I mean, please ask it of us. But, uh, again, uh, it, it, I think part of the challenge is, as far as prisons go, like they need to start releasing people. The only way for them, the only way for the state to actually come in line with what it is, uh, the preventive measures that needs to um, take place in order to stop people from dying in prison, 
um, COVID-19 and other um, health-related um, issues, a lot of this stuff is preventable. The only reason why um, it happens is because, again, about a year ago here in Corbin, um, up, I'm sorry, um, a tour came from Sacramento, um, and a discussion was supposed to have took place about um, taking out all the top bunks in the dorms in order to limit um, the number of people and that limiting that number of people is supposed to tie off into the COVID-19 cases and stuff like that there. Like, it, it hasn't been done up to this day. Um, it's, this, this place is at least 150% over capacity. <sighs> and this is right in the middle of a surge in um, COVID-19 cases and stuff. So one of the things that without a doubt needs to take place is people need to be released. Um, and that can't happen fast enough. Um, the other thing is, is they simply need to stop, um, you know, crowding people in the spaces that they simply don't fit in. Um, you know, like, uh, again, it doesn't help, I would imagine, that, you know, you got the recall election that's taking place um, this month. Um, so you got all of these other things. I think I honestly believe that part of the conservative agenda is, at minimum, if nothing else, keep democratically elected um, governors like Newsom and other people. Just keep them so caught up in the fight these recall types of elections that they simply don't have a time or the opportunity to govern in the way that they like to govern. Um, and at the end of their terms, conservatives can run on this ticket about how ineffective uh, people like Gascon um, is, people like um, Chase Boudin up in San Francisco, the Gavin Newsom's. They can argue that these people are une ineffective, and they can point to the things that they were not able to accomplish during their changes as district attorneys and governors. But what people seem to forget sometimes and what has to be emphasized is that the reason why they couldn't govern is because they was too busy trying to fight um, the efforts um, to implement the kind of policies and procedures that they wanted to implement that could actually help to reduce the crises that we're facing right now today. Um, and I really do think that there has to be this emphasis on that right there, as well as you all did a masterful job at going out and educating communities on what the problem really is. And the efforts that you all made not only resulted in our being released from solitary, but they helped us win the Chase of Bodines and the George Gastons. And I think that, you know, the, 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 the educational uh, efforts that you all made to do that right there, we simply have to continue full throttle with those efforts. And I think that just as important as that right there is what you said a minute ago. Prisoners literally do need to start contacting groups like yourself, voices like yourself, Liberate Decay Voices, the California Prison Focus, all of us and none of us, 
on the Drop the Elwap campaign for CCWP. We literally need to start having conversations with you all to tell our stories. Our stories is the best tool for what's wrong. And I think it's just as important um, because the communities that we come from is impacted in the ways that they are. I think the greatest resources that communities have is the people in those communities. And when you take those people out of those communities, you also take the resources from out of the community and stuff. So I really do think that um, uh, the narrative has to include how the communities have been impacted. And the communities are the best, in the best position to tell those stories. Bati, um, Carter, and myself was having a conversation here recently about um, our vision for a community release board as opposed to the parole board. But what I'm in the process of doing now is tightening up um, some ideas that he and I discussed. And I hope to have this through within the next week so I can send you a copy of it. And so um, these are also things that needs to be done. It's just this new, it's, it's something else needs to be not just talked about, but something else needs to be done in order to not, not, not simply remove the institutions um, that are responsible for so much oppression and so much misery in people's lives. But here's what we like to replace those institutions with. And so, um, like, you know, we, we just think it's a combination of all of those things that has to take place. And because liberation and abolitionist efforts have always, you know, there was a particular period of time 30 or 40 years ago when the movement simply ceased to exist. And there was a resurgence of that movement right there um, since the hunger strikes, I think, in California. But when the movement ceased to exist, when it just stopped functioning, like white supremacy and patriarchy, they didn't take no day off. They continued to, to oppress people. They continued to redefine themselves. Capitalism did cease to exist. The hierarchy that results in, from capitalism, the underdevelopment and underrepresentation of poor communities of color didn't stop functioning. Like, it continues to move forward. So we playing catch-up. That's been part of our problem, I think, for a really long time. Progressives and revolutionary progressives have always played catch-up uh, because we take their off and they don't. And so we just, we really do need to fight as if our lives depended on it now. So the truth of the matter is, is that our lives do depend on it. And it, all, it always has. So, um, and we just have to love each other. We got to do a better job of loving each other and, and caring for each other and fight in a way that reflects um, how much we love and care about each other. But that's, that's some of what I think needs to take place right there. I'll talk to you later, and I want you to take care of yourself. And we send our love to you, okay? Okay, okay. So much love back to you, okay. too, Zah. Okay, good up. Okay, bye-bye. Peace. All right, beautiful people, that is our show. Thank you so much for being with me this morning. And um, I want to remind you or let you know that uh, Paul Jones has come home. Our beautiful Paul Sangu Jones is home after almost uh, something like 40 years 
um, decades in solitary confinement. We welcome him home. He needs your help because CDCR, the sixth system, Sacramento, you know, they don't believe in, in helping our brothers and sisters coming out from decades of, of being caged. So please support him by going to bit.ly slash capital S save, capital P Paul, capital J Jones 2021. That's bit.ly slash Save Paul Jones, capital letter for each word, 2021. And please make a donation to help with his medical um, and uh, towards uh, getting him housing, making sure that he is in a safe and secure place where he can take care of his daily needs. Please help him. We're so grateful that you are home and we want more of our brothers and sisters home as well. We want Imwalima home. We want Zah home and all of the others. Um, abolition now, all power to the people. Get ready for work week with Steve Seltzer. Ah, and I also would be remiss if I did not say to please visit uh, prisons.org uh, the California Prison Focus website. Please continue to educate yourself and support our brothers and sisters inside, as well as the San Francisco Bayview at sfbayview.com. We can only do this together. Peace, y'all.